I was absolutely terrified to walk up here, uh, but now that I'm looking out at all of you and you're absolutely beautiful, I feel at peace. Um, I'd like to just pause time for one moment, and I would like to say something that my father said to me at the beginning of this journey that started about eight years ago now. And Dad, wherever you are out there watching, I want you to know that I've kept those words in my heart. As I was driving out to Walla Walla University, my father called me on the phone. He said, son, I'm a little bit worried. Maybe you should turn around. What if the natural love for Jesus that you have in your heart you lose as a theology major? I assured my dad that I felt a calling in my heart. God had spoken to me clearly and that this was the place that he wanted me to be. He said, okay, son, if God has spoken to your heart, then you go. But I have one thing that I want to say to you. Anytime God ever calls you to stand up, to speak, no matter where he calls you to speak, on stages built by the hands of men before audiences much bigger than I have ever spoken in front of, you remember this one thing. Never fear the faces of men or women, but only fear the face of the God that you serve. Dad, you gave me the best advice that any father could have ever given his son. And no matter how much we've gone together, through together as a family, I love you, and I say thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is student-led week of worship, and I'm just lucky to stand here and be a part of something beautiful. This church, your family, the schools, the hospitals, everything connected to what we do. God, you are using your people to do amazing things. Student missions programs, campus ministries programs, ASRU programs, universities around the world, and the one that I love the most, right here, Walla Walla University. God, I've seen your hand move. Lord, I know you're here with me today. I don't even have to ask. Your Holy Spirit has been here preparing the way for this before I was even born, when I was formed in my mother's womb. Thank you. Thank you for loving me and letting me be a part of what you're doing. Amen. Well, good morning and happy Sabbath, Walla Walla University. Good morning and happy Sabbath, Walla Walla University Church. Thank you for being a part of our student-led week of worship. You know, as I stand here today and I look out at all of you, I can't help but think about one of my sp favorite speeches that has ever been given. On July 4, 1939, Lou Gehrig delivered what has been called Baseball's Gettysburg's, Gettysburg Address to a sold-out crowd at Yankee Stadium. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. It's not baseball season. But if you ask Patty McCoy, he will tell you it actually started last week, and then right after that, he will give you a five-minute dissertation of the entire history of the Cincinnati Reds. I guarantee it. I've been to his house. And for those of you that have also been there, he's taken you to his Cincinnati room, Cincinnati Reds kingdom in his room. I want to read to you a quote from the famous speech that Lou Gehrig made. He said, fans, for the past two weeks, you have been reading about the bad break that I got. Yet today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. 
I have been in ballparks for 17 years and have never received anything but kindness and encouragement from you fans. When you look around, wouldn't you consider it a privilege to associate yourself with such a fine-looking group of men as are standing in uniform form in the ballpark today? You see, as I was preparing this sermon, I couldn't help but think that while I have not been a very lucky man, I can say one thing to you today, this morning, for certain. I am one of the most blessed men who has ever walked the face of the earth. You see, I stand here today on the stone steps of this, the university church, ready to deliver a lot more than a speech made to fans sitting in a baseball stadium. Today, as Jude would say in his New Testament book, I have the privilege of delivering the gospel as it was once delivered to the saints long ago. And while I may not consider myself one of the most lucky men who've ever walked the face of the earth, I can tell you one thing is for sure. I am one of the most blessed men who have ever walked the face of the earth. You see, as a student here at Walla Walla University, I have had the privilege to associate myself with the members of a community of faith that is unlike any community that I have ever known in my life. I have been a student here for the last four years, and I have never received anything but kindness, love, and encouragement from you, my peers. As a student here, I have had professors who have believed in me and, yes, even prayed for me. As a student here, I have had mentors like Pedrito Maynard Reed, Troy Fitzgerald, Dave Thomas, Patty McCoy, Tommy Poole, Hillary Catlett, our ASWU sponsor, who we love and, well, we just call her our mom. And nobody here today can blame me for mentioning one Betty Duncan, who I would not be standing on this stage telling you I'm graduating <laughs> if it wasn't for her. Can I get an amen? That's the truth. You know what, though? As a theology student here, I have found the best friends in the entire world. Like Timothy Oliver, Andrew and Melody S. Paletta, and even my brother from another mother, Eddie Drizme, sitting right here on the front row supporting me. I love you, man. You know what? I want to tell a story on Timmy Oliver. First day of class, theology major, I show up to Intro to Faith and Ministry with Paul Dibdahl, and after the class, I come walking out on the steps. Many of you know me. Even if you don't know me, I'll walk up and talk to you, forget to ask your name, and then act like I know you. That's just the way I am. I love you all. And uh, right after class, I walk up to Timmy Oliver, and I say, hey, I don't know about you, but I think that you and I probably need to stick together, or we're probably going to die separately. <laughs> he looked at me, and he goes, oh. And you guys know Timmy Oliver. He looks at me with this look, and he's like, oh, who are you? <laughs> As a student here, I made the decision to become a member of the university church, and I have been loved and embraced by each and every single one of you. Many of you have invited me into your homes for potlucks and greeted me here on Sabbath morning, just like one of your own sons. Yes, today I may not be the luckiest man in the world, but I can tell you that there is one thing that is for sure. Today, I am the most blessed man on the face of the entire earth. 
Over this past week, I have been even more blessed than ever because of, as I have had the opportunity, privilege, and honor to serve this campus as their ASWU spiritual vice president for Walla Walla University, to lead out in this ASWU student-led week of worship. The theme for this year's week of worship is This Is My Story, and Walla Walla University campus has been blessed right here in the university church to hear from 11 other students before me give their testimonies. As each one of them spoke, I laughed, I amened as loud as I could, and yes, even sometimes I cried. This week, as I listened to students who gave their testimonies on prayer and shared special musics as part of our ASU Spiritual Pray It Forward initiative that is, con that is attempting to connect all 13 of our universities in prayer, my heart was warmed. And as Joel Willard and the band led us daily as they did today, singing in blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, my heart was warmed and my soul was thrilled. And now as this week is about to come to a close, all I can tell you is that I can't wait for heaven because it is there where we can worship God just like this every day of our lives. And as Pedrito, I know you would say, we will never part again. Oh no, we will never part again. Walla Walla University Church, if you will, I would like to thank you all. I would like to thank all of you for being a part of this amazing journey with me, and I would like to claim that today, if you would allow me, I am the most blessed man on the entire face of this earth. At this time, I would like to ask each and every single one of the students who is a part of this ASWU student-led week of worship to stand. So if you're in the audience today, do not be ashamed, do not be afraid, please. Everyone who volunteered, I'm talking about people who spoke, people who did intros, please stand up. Let's get it started, Andrea. You can help us out. Okay, I'm looking up in the rafters. I'm looking for you. I just want to say that on this stage here, you see items. Right here when Andrea Betts spoke, she asked people to come forward and to write on cards how they saw God working in their life at this very moment in time. And I, I'm being honest with you, I sat right here on the front row doing what I normally do, taking pictures and Instagramming. You all know that about me, it's okay. <laughs> and uh, I was so excited as I watched the students on this campus fill two entire cylinders full of ways that they see God working in their lives right here on the Walla Walla University campus. I watched as other students come forward, came forward and spoke and said that God had the key to success in their life. That if God could speak through a donkey, then he could probably even speak through me. I watched as students turned a stage that was completely black and white into a stage covered in color. Friends, you know what brings color to our church? You know what makes this more than just a form? You know what makes this more than just a building that we can come to on Sabbath morning? It's the same thing that's gonna make the kingdom of heaven a place we never wanna leave, a place where Jesus will be surrounded by all of us singing praises in a place we never have to part again. Can we give a round of applause, please, to all of the students who said yes to serving Jesus this week? Yes, all week long, students just like me have been taking this stage to share their stories with this, the Walla Walla University campus. 
One might ask, Stephen, why spend an entire week listening to people share their stories or their testimonies, if you will? Why is it that when faced with the responsibility of planning a student-led student week of worship on this campus that I felt God impressing me to choose the topic, this is my story? Why choose such a broad theme? Why not choose a theme with a more doctrinal focus? Why not, or even better yet, choose a theme that focuses on Jesus alone? These were all questions that went through my mind when I first felt impressed with this topic. But instead of answering that question outright, I'm going to take just a few moments of your time to tell you some of my story. You see, as I met with each student who was going to speak, all other 11, I asked them to be vulnerable, open their hearts, to be real, to take off their religious masks and share just a piece of their heart of how Jesus was present in their lives. I was amazed by their courage all week as they stood on this stage and proclaimed that, yes, Jesus is their story. And so now I would like to share just a little bit of my story with you. The message today is entitled, Blessed to be a Blessing. When I was a boy, God spoke to my heart through watching my father my father served the Lord. He was a traveling evangelist for a few different independent ministries, and I remember watching him preach and play guitar around the campfire and thinking to myself, when I grow up, I want to be just like you, Dad. The thing I loved most as a child was family. But sadly, when I was 12 years old, Satan tore my family apart through the divorce of my parents. It wasn't long after this that my prodigal journey began, and this led to a more than 10-year struggle with drugs, alcohol, a suicide attempt at the age of 19, and yes, even several periods of homelessness on the streets. Yes, Satan attacked my family, and he attacked me, and so I ran from God as fast as I could. But I could not hide forever and praise God because eight years ago, he found me standing homeless on a street corner in San Diego, California. He called to me and he reminded me of the dream that I had when I was just a little boy. He called to me and he reminded me of the dream that I had to serve God as my father, who was now broken and addicted to alcohol himself, once had. You see, my journey to this moment began eight or nine years ago when my older brother Aaron invited me in off the streets of San Diego, California to stay on a cot in my nephew Brandon's room. All I had was a small cot, one dresser drawer, my guitar, and the clothes on my back, and they weren't as nice as this. But at least I had a place to sleep at night. My brother told me, if you're going to live with me, then you are going to do three things. One, you will get a job. Two, you will stop drinking. Three, you will stop smoking. A really tall order for those of you who have struggled with addiction, you understand. Some of you sitting in the audience today may still be struggling with that journey. But there's hope, because no matter where you are right now, God has a plan for your life. And he loves you just as much right now as he loved me standing on that street corner eight years ago. And you know what? 
I need him just as much today, standing here on this stage in a nice suit with nice shoes on my feet. In fact, I probably need him more. I was really excited because within a few weeks, I cleaned myself up and I found a job at Subway. Greatest thing that ever happened in my life, until my brother told me, Stephen, I will not be driving you to work. You will be walking the five miles to and from every day. At that point, I wasn't as excited. But I remember each day working from the first thing in the morning until the last thing in the evening, and each night when I got off work, I would get my share of the tips for the day. I remember telling myself every day on the way home that I would not stop to buy alcohol or cigarettes. But invariably, no matter how hard I tried, I would always break down. When I would get home and come through the door, I remember all of the scathing rebukes I would receive from my brother. You smell like cigarettes. I can tell. You've been drinking again. When are you ever going to get it together? During speeches like that, I would look down the long hallway to the room that I lived in, and I would long for my little nephew Brandon to stick his head out of the door. Once he would hear the commotion in the living room, he would, look, he would poke his head out of the door, and he would look down the hallway, and I will never forget the look on his face every time. He would always scream, Uncle Stephen, you're home! And then he would run down the hallway as fast as he could, and even though I'm short, he was shorter at the time, of course, he would be able to wrap his arm around my leg and hug me, and he would say, I'm so excited you're here. Come on, let's go down to my room. I gotta show you where I am on Super Mario World. That was his favorite video game at the time. You know, I remember one day, he came out, and he was all excited to see me as usual, but when I walked into the room, there was this terribly troubled look on his face. He says, Uncle Steven, I have been playing Super Mario for the past four hours. Ugh. And uh, I can't beat this level that I'm currently on. Every time I try to jump across this great abyss, I always fall into the hole and die. And then he looked at me and he said, Uncle Steven, could you please help me out? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't know if I've ever met any homeless people, including me, that have like a GameCube or an Xbox or a PlayStation 4 out on the streets with them, right? And so I have to tell you one thing's for certain. In that moment, when I sat down and he handed me the controller, I held a thing in my hand that looked like a spaceship off of Star Wars. Most of you have watched that recently. Don't lie to me, I know you have. Okay, fine, I admit it, so have I. But anyway, so I was holding on to this remote control and I was looking at the cliff that I had to jump across, and I had no idea what the buttons on that controller did. In that moment, I said the first prayer I had said in a long time. I said, God, <laughs> you've got to help me out right now, or I'm going to be a total failure in front of my nephew. Now, you know people that play video games that feel like when they have the controller in their hand that they actually have to do, like, you know, if you're going to make Mario jump, you know, <laughs> like, I'm that guy. I'm all like, <laughs> you know, like, and Luigi, you know, it's really bad. It's really bad. And it's kind of embarrassing because then people make fun of you when you're trying to play. So here I was. I started getting used to the little guys running around on the screen, and I get him all the way across, and I get him far away from the pit, and I'm ready to go. And I start running, and I get him running towards the big, huge abyss that I have to jump over, and then I hit every single button on the controller that I possibly could, and in that moment, a miracle happened because Mario jumped up in the air, and he went, you know, like he does, and it looked like he was going to fall down off the cliff, but then all of a sudden, before he fell into the abyss, like he had done all of the other times to the frustration of my poor little nephew, he reached out one little hand and grabbed the ledge. In that moment, I didn't even want to breathe on the controller. Now, my hands are probably shaking because I'm nervous, but I'm just pretending it's part of the story. Forget I said that. 
So I hand the controller back to my nephew, Brandon, and he gets the guy up on the ledge. He knew exactly what button to push. Man, that kid was smart. And then he took the next three or four minutes, and he went all the way to the end of the level and finished it. And the moment that happened next, I will never forget. He turned around, he jumped up, he ran all over his room, he was jumping on the bed, he high-fived me, he hugged me, and then he stood back and he said a few words that I will never forget until the end of eternity. He looked at me and he said, Uncle Stephen, I knew you could do it. You're my hero. You know, in that moment, I saw a more clear portrait of who God is in that little boy than I have ever seen in any person. No wonder Jesus says, become like a child if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. Here I was, a homeless, broken man, but that's not what my nephew saw. You see, when my, when my nephew Brandon looked at me, he saw his hero. I wish that I was really the person that this boy could see. For the first time in a long time, I wanted to try. That night, I went back in my mind many years to a time when I was his age. I remembered my childhood, and I remembered that God, the God that I once loved. That night, I remembered that when I was Brandon's age, I had dreamed of one day serving God as a world evangelist. But the man I dreamed that I would become, and the one that I was actually in that room that night, was a universe apart just like God was for my heart. I will never forget that night lying in bed, crying to myself to sleep, saying to God, I was so angry at God for allowing my family to be broken. And in my mind, I was screaming, God, why did you allow the one thing I love in this world to be taken from me? How can I follow you? How can I tell the entire world about how much I love you, serving you as a world evangelist, like you've called me to be, when I'm angry at you, and I don't even know how to talk to you anymore? I will never forget the promise that God placed in my mind that night. Right after I silently spoke those words, God said to me in my mind, Stephen, you live in a broken world that is ravaged by sin. And yes, Satan did tear your family apart. Don't you love it how when we come to God with our pain, he affirms us rather than putting us down like the world so often does? All these years, he's been blaming me, lying to you, and causing you to do the same. Stephen, your family may never get back together in this world. But if you will follow me, I will show you a place in this world that I can bless you. I will take you from this dark valley that you're living in to a mountaintop that you will never forget. If you will let me, I will give you a new life. I will give you a new story. And through that story, through that testimony, I will show your family that I, Jesus Christ, am alive. Through your life, I will show them that my promises are true. Stephen, you may never have your family back together in this world, but if you will follow me to the place I want you to go, you will have your family for all of eternity. I've been hanging on to that promise ever since. Friends, can you hang on to that promise today? Maybe your story is not like mine. But I know each and every single one of you sitting here today as you journey through this world, students, faculties, faculty members, staff, teachers, community members, you know that this world is not our home. For the last several years, I have committed each year to reading the Bible in a year. Now, how many of you here today, by a show of hands, 
at the new year, at least tell yourself that you're going to have a better devotional life, life at, at, or maybe you even say, I'm going to try to read the Bible in one year. How many of you have ever done that before? Okay, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, because you know what? I know how that goes. It's really hard. But this year, as I began reading through the book of Genesis, I attempted it one more time. I watched as the beautiful world that God created went from a perfect paradise to a chaotic mess. I watched as Adam and Eve started the world's first family, only to see their older son, Cain, murder Abel. I watched as God began to regret creating the world full of wickedness, and the flood came and wiped out the earth. I watched as Noah's family after the ark turned into rebellion at the Tower of Babel, and then suddenly, halfway through Genesis chapter 11, we run into the descendants of Shem, followed by the descendants of Terah. At that moment, the Bible goes from racing through history thousands of years at a time to coming to a screeching halt and introduces us to the story of a man named Abram. Anyone ever hear this story before? At this moment, we come to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and we ask ourselves, why is it that suddenly God comes to a screeching halt to tell this man's story? Why is it that God is interested in the story? Well, in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Genesis chapter 12, 1 and 2, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be. A blessing. Walla Walla University. Walla Walla University Church. Some of you here today are community members. Others are staff. Others faculty of the university and still others student. Maybe even visitors. But I believe that no matter who you are or what differences that you have in your lives, that the promise that God made to Abram is not only the same promise that God made to me eight years ago on the streets of San Diego, California, but it is the same promise that he is making to each and every single one of you who are a part of this community. In fact, he not only wants to make that promise to you, but God is so good that when he makes a promise to you, that he doesn't give you the promise just to bless you. He blesses you to make you a blessing. You see, the message that I watch, preached, and taught here at this university is one that we can take with us to an entire world full of people who need the blessing that God, through Abram, passed through the history of time to the moment when we first saw Jesus Christ come into this world to keep a promise that he's been actually meaning to keep since before the beginning of time. At one point in each of our lives, whether a church member or a student, no matter who you are, no matter what the difference is, we come to the place where we have to face the fact that this world is not our home and that God has a promise for us. Every man, woman, and child who has ever walked the face of the earth has had access to this promise. Some of you might not believe me, Allow me to break it down specifically for you, the College Place, Washington, and Walla Walla community. At one point in each of our lives, whether a church member or student here at the university, God called each of you out of your original country, away from your family, to this land, or this place, if you will, that he has shown you. Secondly, God brought you here, or for those of you who have lived here your entire lives, God has planted you here, he has blessed you, and he put you here to be a blessing to those around you. 
Can I get an amen to that? God doesn't bless us for selfishness. No, he blesses us and he gives us a reason to live by making us a blessing to others. This is even more important to notice than the blessing itself. You see, as God said to Abram so many years ago, I will bless you, make your name great. And why am I doing this? I'm doing it because after I bless you and make your name great, I then will make you a blessing to the people around you. But that's not where I stop. No, because when God makes you a blessing to the people around you, then the blessing that he gives you that you pass to the people around you, he takes to the end, the ends of the earth. Maybe some of you are not yet convinced. Or maybe others are pondering, but wait, how does the promise that God gave to Abram have anything to do with me? Well, the story does not end with this blessing, and in Genesis chapter 13, God promises Abram that his descendants will number more than the dust of the earth. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, that then, only then, maybe, would they get close to numbering his descendants. And then in Genesis chapter 15, verses 5 and 6, God again makes the promise to him. Now pay close, pay close attention to this time when he speaks to him. It says, Then he brought him outside and said, Look, now toward heaven, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Now pay close attention to verse 6. Very close attention to this. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it, to him for righteousness. Now, if you will, I, I'm going to be looking to make sure that you all do this. I would like all of you this morning to now close your eyes, and I want you to go on a little of a, a bit of an imagination journey with me. Walla Walla University Church, now that you have your eyes closed, imagine something with me for a moment, if you will. Imagine that it is the early part of the evening. You decide to go outside to take a walk, and as you start your walk, you look up to the sky and you see the very first star to appear in the night sky. Now imagine with me, if you will, that this is a star that Abram looked at thousands of years ago. And then further imagine with me, if you will, for a moment, that this star is you. Then I want you to imagine as the night sky gets darker, you begin as you focus on the first star that you saw, the star that represents you, to see other stars appearing around you. Then before you know, if you find yourself looking at the night sky with so many stars that they are too number numerous for you to count, suddenly that beautiful star that is represented by you is surrounded by a picture that could only be painted by the hand of God. In that moment, friends, imagine if you will that this is the same night sky that Abram looked at thousands of years ago. Friends and family here today, as you open your eyes, realize we serve a God who made a promise. And as you open your eyes, open them to the reality of the picture that you just imagined. Look around you, if you will. You see, God has placed you in this place perfectly in his sky. He has pla placed you perfectly in his sky in this world next to the very people God has called you to bless. Not only that, God has made each and every single one of us, each and every single one of our names great by a promise that he made through his son, Jesus Christ, many years ago. And you know what, friends? If you don't believe that God has made your name great in this world, how much better could your name be than son or daughter? How much better could your name be? 
We share the equal inheritance that he has given us through a promise he made not only thousands of years ago to Abram, but a promise he made even before time began. He more recently made that promise a reality for every single one of you sitting here today through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And through the adoption made possible by the sacrifice Jesus made, the promise God made to Abram so many years ago has been kept in him. In 2 Corinthians 6.18, it says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Friends, the promise that God made to Abram many years ago is a promise that is for each and every single one of us sitting here in the university church today. Eight years ago, God called me away from the land I was living in. He called me away from my family. He took me by the hand and led me on a four-year journey that eventually brought me here to you. The last four years has been so amazing, and God has kept his promises to me all the way. My life is not perfect, and I still face many trials. In fact, in the month leading up to this sermon, I wrecked my car twice. It is now totaled. But that's not the thing that hurt the most. You see, a couple years ago, on my journey, I started seeing God reach out to the family that I had torn apart. And I had the opportunity of baptizing my little sister. But recently as I went home, I had to face the ugliness of sin and darkness in our world once again. As when I walked through the front door, I could see that she is struggling with her addiction again. It broke my heart, my heart as I wrapped my arms around her. And she was light enough for me to pick up in one arm. When I got back home, I got sick with pneumonia. And that happened four days before the beginning of the busiest week of probably my academic life, a student-led week of worship. And in that moment, all I could do is get on my knees and say, God, you called me away from my family off the streets eight years ago, and you made me a promise. And this week, I need you to keep it. I have watched as students on this campus and faculty alike have come together to worship God. I have watched as each one of you show that Jesus is alive in our world. I have watched as each and every single one of you proved to me that God's promise is true. And I have been blessed. My friends, God has blessed you, and he has made you a blessing to me. Thank you for all that you have given me over the last four years of my life. You see, God took me by the hand, and he has led me on a four-year journey that eventually brought me here to you. The, the past four years of my life have been so amazing, and God has kept his promise to me. Yes, my life is not perfect. But as I have gone through these trials, I couldn't help but sing the song that is our theme for this week. Blessed assurance. Sing with me. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation. Purchase of God, 
born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Well, this is my story. This is my song. 